And his attitude is not that of condemnation. How dare you get lost? How dare you leave me? But his attitude was that of rejoicing. Well, welcome back to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast. I am apologizing for recording to this late. It is July 4th tonight, and if you hear fireworks in the background, I apologize. I was going to wait to record this later, but as I was listening and reading the Bible and considering the parable in Luke 15, I realized that it is something that I really wanted to touch. Lately, we have been seeing a lot of things on the news uh, and things in the world showing essentially division and strife and things just essentially going into chaos. However, when I was reading Luke 15, I realized that this is something that is very nourishing, is very comforting, it is very heartwarming, and that is to see God's heart toward man. Now this continues on in our parable series, so over the past couple of episodes we have been getting into this matter of parables, specifically why the Lord Jesus continually uses parables when he is trying to speak something significant according to his heart. And Luke 15 is full of them. In fact, there are three of them. Today, we'll actually touch just the first two. And then next week, Christian actually will be back and we will touch the one concerning the prodigal son because that one, I feel you just can't skip. That one needs a whole message by itself. Now, I've been reading a lot of commentary about Luke 15, 1 through 10, and so we'll be touching on multiple things and maybe even giving you a little overview concerning why this is so significant. So as we get into this, I want to start off by setting the tone of what Luke 15 is about. I'm going to read the first two verses and essentially expound a little bit about what the Lord is dealing with. So this is Luke 15, 1 and 2. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, the Lord Jesus, his ministry on the earth was one that was quite amazing. In fact, I would say there was no other ministry on earth that is quite like him. Because the Lord Jesus to us Christians, was God himself becoming a man. And this was what was mentioned in John chapter 1, that the word became flesh and tabernacled among men or dwelt among men. And as God on the earth, his human living was perfect. His human living was beyond reproach. In fact, many a times the scribes and Pharisees tried to find reasons to trap him Yet the Lord, through his divine nature, always knew exactly what was on the heart of man. In addition, because this was God on the earth, his ministry on the earth really showed God's heart. Oftentimes, we'll hear things like, you know, do what I say, not what I do. And that, to me, is a pretty weak argument because if you can't even do it, why am I going to do what you say? which makes parenting actually quite hard because many times I tell my children to do something and I kind of question if I can even do it myself. But that's beside the point. 
The point is the Lord's ministry on the earth is truly a reflection of God's heart toward man. And what we see here in verse 15, specifically verse 1, is that the Lord did not turn anyone away. Tax collectors and sinners in that time were not welcomed, specifically amongst the Pharisees and the scribes. And there were reasons that tax collectors were often cheaters. They would collect taxes for Rome and they would steal extra and keep extra. So there was definitely a lot of animosity against tax collectors. And of course, sinners, the Pharisees and the scribes didn't like them. You know, these people were sinners. Oftentimes, they looked at them as people with less worth. Uh, they weren't worth their time. You know, it's a it's a problem of self-control. If they had better self-control, they wouldn't be sinners. And so they were often shunned by the Pharisees and the scribes. Well, here was God, and God had come down in human form, born of a virgin, and was living a perfect human life. And he was welcoming all people, essentially showing that my his heart, God's heart, is enlarged. Not just for the ones that were perfect, not just for the ones that were following the law, not just for the ones that were not living in outward sin, um, but his heart was enlarged specifically to even anyone that wanted to know who God was. And I think that's a real amazing fact that we see here is that the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. These brothers and sisters, these people that were stuck in outer darkness, that were stuck in a horrible lifestyle, that were stuck in a horrible human behavior, cheating, you know, adultery, fornication, whatever you have it, you know, they were in that lifestyle, but there was something about Jesus that drew them. And sometimes I feel like the scribes and Pharisees, they actually had nothing in them that would draw fallen people to them. And that makes me kind of reflect on me, you know, us as Christians. Our living on the earth, is it a condemning living? Or does our living draw those, even those that are struggling with sin, to us? Now again, remember the Lord never accepts sin. He is God. He cannot dwell with sin. That does not compute. However, what he is looking for, and this was also something mentioned in the Old Testament, was those of a repentant heart, or even those of a contrite heart is another uh, area in the Old Testament that was used to describe what the Lord was looking for. He said, to him who has a contrite heart, to this one, This is the one that the Lord is looking for. So now you have tax collectors and sinners, and they are starting to repent. They want to, they don't like where they are. They don't want to be there. Um, And the Lord is offering them a way to God. Sorry if you heard that, that was fireworks. So I'm going to go ahead and read this parable. So again, the Pharisees, scribes, see this happening. They're not excited about it. They're like, look at this guy. This man receives sinners and even eats with them which is, you know, it's a big no-no in the religious atmosphere at that time. So this is the first parable. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? 
and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, "Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost." Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. That is striking. Essentially, what the Lord is telling them is that He is actively searching for these ones, the ones that are lost, the ones that were confused, the ones that are stuck in sin. The Lord is actively searching you out, and the Lord wants to receive you to Himself. And what's amazing is the Lord actually. Picks up this lost one and lays it on his shoulders, and his attitude is not that of condemnation. How dare you get lost? How dare you leave me? But his attitude was that of rejoicing, of wow, here is one I have found him, and he is coming back with me. And oftentimes, that is such a sweet and amazing sentiment that the Lord has. That he truly has a heart for man. That he truly realizes there is no lost case. That anyone who repents, anyone that turns, in that moment he is received by the Lord. And in fact, the Lord will carry him. And the angels are rejoicing. And the Lord is rejoicing. And the Lord is calling his friends, which, according to some typology, these are fellow believers, ones in the church already. And we're all rejoicing because there was this one lost sheep. That the Lord called out, and the Lord brought back. And I thought this last part was pretty interesting. He says, "There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." Now, according to the Book of Romans, in Paul, there is none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, what is the Lord saying here? What He's saying here is, there's more. Joy in a sinner repenting and turning to the Lord, then there are ninety-nine people who live correctly outwardly, still need to repent, yet are unwilling to repent. And you can say that at this point, he's addressing the Pharisees, the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious people. You could say the PhD religionist at that time, the pastor, teacher, reverends. Maybe that that is their equivalent to our time. Sometimes we feel like our lives are okay; that we don't need to repent. Maybe we don't even need the Lord that much. We can do it on our own. We've been doing it on our own for a long time. We know how to live. We know how to tithe. We know how to sing. We know how to perform these church services. And so, maybe in our reality, we realize we don't need the Lord. And the Lord said that there is no rejoicing in that. There's no rejoicing in heaven for people who try to live their best outwardly. Probably still need to repent, but yet are unwilling to repent, because what happens in that environment it produces people who condemn, rather than people who are merciful. The tax collectors and the Pharisees in Luke fifteen, verse two, were not ones that were open to receive, not ones that were searching for those who are lost, but they were ones that were purposely trying to keep the lost out. They didn't want anything to do with sinners. They didn't want anything to do with Tax collectors, and this is truly different than our Lord, because here, as the Good Shepherd, the Lord actively looks for those. And I thought that was pretty cool.
Uh, let me read the second parable. And the reason I want to read this is because I think in these portions, you actually see the triune God seeking out sinners. So the first part about the shepherd going after the sheep, you can say that was the son of God. For the son of God refers to himself as the good shepherd. In verse 8 through 10, it says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And again, very similar story here. We are having sinners who have seen the Lord, have been listening to the Lord. It says they were hearing him, drawing near to hear him, and here they are repenting. They're repenting, uh, obviously, of their outward sin, but they're also crying out, saying they need him. They need the Lord. And here, same picture, except this time it's a woman searching for ten silver coins. Now, in the context what the Lord is equating the coins to is the sinners. The sinners and tax collectors, these are coins. They're silver coins. And silver coins in that time is very precious. And I think that is so awesome because based on the context, many people looked at the tax collectors, sinners as dirt, as scum, as useless people, as less than people. They don't want anything to do with them. But here the Lord is comparing them to a silver coin and what's amazing here it says the woman lights a lamp and sweeps the house and based on some of the commentary i read they said this actually points to what the spirit is doing to us you know oftentimes it says the spirit comes because the spirit of man is a lamp of jehovah lamp to jehovah and the spirit will come and shine right he will shine on us and through his shining it causes us to repent. His shining actually exposes us, exposes us that we were lost, exposes us that we were in a dark situation. And here's a spirit sweeping and looking and sweeping and looking. And when he finally finds one sinner and that sinner is willing to repent, there is great rejoicing in heaven. There is great joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so I would say the message and the burden today is that if we are not repenting and confessing every morning and spending time with the Lord, we will become scribes and Pharisees. We'll become those that condemn sinners. We'll become those that have nothing to do with sinners, nothing to do with sick spiritually, nothing to do with anyone that might not think like we think. But if we spend time with the Lord every morning repenting, and depending on him and cling to him, then we will actually duplicate God's heart to man. What you're seeing here is the triune God and his heart toward fallen man. Not a heart of condemnation or anger, but a heart of receiving the ones who repent. So anyway, I thought that was super sweet. Now, the last parable in Luke 15, we will get into next week because that one has so many details, but it really shows actually the Father's heart. So we talked about the Lord as a good shepherd seeking us out. We talked about the Spirit shining and exposing and cleansing and seeking us, 
But the last one is really awesome about the Father's heart toward us. So I hope you guys get a chance to join us. Well, I'm going to wrap it up here. Hopefully the fireworks didn't bother you guys too much. I hope you guys have a great week, and I will catch y'all next week. And hopefully Christian will be back with me again. Yay! Y'all have a good night. Thank you.